0: Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. It will be okay. May 18th, 2016. First words I spoke in this pulpit the Sunday after Brother Matt had left and gone to Tupelo. It will be okay. That's how I started the sermon. What a way to start a sermon. It will be okay. Then a little bit later on, I mentioned it's already all right. And whenever we we were looking at that time, whenever we were in that moment, I know a lot of us were a little confused. A lot of us were were heartbroken. A lot of us were saying, what's going to happen now? What's going to happen next? And I remember that sermon, Now you say, wow, you have an incredible memory. I had to go back and look it up. But I went back and I I looked up the sermon and I I was teaching from from the passage or around the passage we're looking at today. I was teaching about Elijah. And we looked at Elijah and and we said that Elijah, one of my my favorite Old Testament character, we talked about how God knew where Elijah was. And we said that God knows where each one of us is in the midst of our circumstances. God knows where our church is in the midst of any sort of circumstance. So God knows where you are. We said the word of the Lord came to Elijah. So God wasn't saying, I'm going to send my word to Elijah, but where did I put him? Like he misplaced a set of car keys or something. God doesn't do that. God knows exactly where his prophet was and God had his word come to Elijah. We said that God knew the the needs that Elijah had and God met those needs. And we said that God would, he knew the grace that he was going to show. And so we talked about that. And that's what we looked at there on May 8th, 2016. And now here we are years later, and here we are, and Rebecca and I are looking at, this is our our last Sunday here in this capacity. And uh, last Sunday for me as lead pastor, and next week, God willing, we'll be uh, up in Or Baptist, uh, Von Orr Baptist Church in Von Orr, Tennessee, we'll be uh, preaching. I'll be preaching up there, and so uh, we look forward to that. But at the same time, it's very bittersweet. So over the last few weeks, I've been praying and I've been saying, God, what would you have me to? What would you have me to say? I mean, how do you how do you wrap this up? How do you how do you tie all of this together? And I thought after a lot of prayer and and just seeking God, I, I really believe that God wants us to go today to the, the end of the story of Elijah. And I'm not fancying myself as an Elijah character. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the life of Elijah has been very instrumental in my life and in my ministry to encourage me. And I just hope it encourages you because I want us to go to when Elijah was stepping off the stage and someone else was stepping on the stage. And I, let me go ahead and preemptively say, no, we don't have an announcement today of who the next pastor is going to be or a candidate. Okay. So just Slow your roll a little bit. That's not what we're doing. All right. God is the only one who knows that. But I want us to look at next today. What's next? What just what's not just not what is just next for East Haven? Not what is just next for Vaughn or not, but what is next for each of our lives? And what do we need to do? Where do what what headspace do we need to be in? What heart space do we need to be in? How are we to be living our lives so that we can see whatever God wants to do next to happen with the most ease and with the most cooperation with us as we cooperating with and surrender to our heavenly father. And with that in mind, I want us just to go to the end of the account of Elijah. I want us to flip over to first Kings chapter 19. Now, just a quick recap. If you look at first Kings 17 and read through 17 and 18, what you'll find is that God called Elijah to be this prophet, We don't know anything about Elijah's early life. He just appears on the scene. And then God uses Elijah to declare a drought on the land. They had turned to idolatrous practices. And God had made a promise way back in Deuteronomy, if you turn toward idols, I will shut up the rain. I will shut up the heavens to show you that I am the one true God. And all these gods you are depending upon and praying to and and crying out to for help and crying uh, crying out to for rain they are helpless, they are hopeless, they are worthless whenever you compare them to me, because I'm the one true creator, God, who sends rain and sends the blessings. And so Elijah proclaims a drought, and there's a drought that goes on. And then Elijah has a showdown on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. And so he, they cry out to, to Baal, trying to cry out, trying to say, God, or, or Baal, send down this lightning, send down this fire from heaven and consume this sacrifice and no one's listening because baal is not a real god and then we have elijah he calls out to god and god answers by fire and then we find after that elijah's life is threatened by jezebel he flees into the wilderness he hides out in the wilderness and god miraculously provides for him And now we find that Elijah has been given the succession plan by God. This is what is going to happen next. And one of the things that God tells Elijah is, I want you to go and anoint Elisha in your place as a prophet. And that's what we pick up with when we get to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19, 19. So he, that's Elijah, departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was with the 12. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. So if you want to see what's next, what do, what do you need to be doing? If you want to see what's next, what do you need to be practicing in your life and what realities you need to be living in, in order to see God do what's next? Well, one of the things that we find here is first of all, this remain devoted to your current assignment until God gives you a new assignment. That's what happened. Look back in first Kings 19 verse 19. So he departed from there and found Elisha the son of Shaphet, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him and he was with the 12. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. That cloak, that mantle, that in most cases it was a, an animal skin that symbolized this was a prophet of God. And so you find that Elijah takes his cloak and he throws it over the shoulders of Elisha. Elisha understood what was going on. Elisha knew what was happening here. It wasn't that he was saying, why are you putting this animal skin on me, man? Well, you're, you're a stranger. I don't know you. What are you doing? It's likely that Elijah and Elisha might've known each other. There was a, you look through the old Testament, you find that there was the school of the prophets. And so uh, we don't have a lot of details about what that was about, but we do know that there were, there were schools of prophets as they were called. And Elisha may have been in one of those schools, but whatever the case, Elijah walks up and throws that, throws that mantle over Elisha and Elisha knows exactly what he's saying. But notice where Elijah finds Elisha. Elisha Elisha's plowing. He's out doing the work. He's out doing the work. He's doing the last thing that he knew that he was supposed to do until God called him somewhere else. Listen, that's that's the the testimony of my life just, well, over, over all my ministry. Just get to work where God has placed you And as one of my mentors used to say, you have standing orders. If you have been in the military, you understand the standing order is the order that you are given. And that is the order that remains until it is superseded by a subsequent order. So you do what you have been commanded to do until that command changes. And so we find that Elisha is operating with some sort of standing orders. He's out there plowing. He's at work. There's work to be done and he's doing the work. And we find that's where Elijah finds him. It's so important whenever you're following the will of God to just do exactly what God has called you to do until he tells you to do something else. That's one of the things Rebecca and I talked about. And I told her as, as the last few months have unfolded, I said, you know, there's still work to be done. And I made a promise. I made a promise to our staff. I made a promise to leadership here. I said, I just promise you one thing. I will, I will operate as shepherd here, as the leader here doing what god has called me to do until the very last moment god calls me from this field and i believe i have with god's grace and with god's empowerment i have and i can say that's not arrogant i'm just saying i just I surrendered fully to whatever he wanted but get busy doing what god has called you to do i found myself over the last few weeks i found myself praying now i've been praying for east haven most certainly and i've been praying for Or, most certainly but you know who I've been praying for a whole lot. I find my prayers running toward praying for whomever the man is that is going to be standing in this spot in the future. We don't know who he is, but I've been praying for him, for his family. I encourage you to do the same. Pray for that man. He he has no idea what's ahead. We don't know who he is. Only God knows, but pray for him. Lift him up even now. You may say well does that count if I don't know? Absolutely it counts if you don't know. Pray for this person. Lift him up. Pray for him even now. And one of the things that I've been praying is that when you find him, he's out there plowing. When you find him, he is hard at work. He is at work in the ministry. He's doing he's doing what God has called him to do until God calls him here. He's out there. He's a real person. He's got real struggles. There's a real family. He prays real prayers. He reads God's word. He's got feet set on the ground. He's doing something even right now. Lift him up, pray for him. But not only that, in the meantime, we should be busy, all of us, be busy with what God has called us to do. Be busy doing the work of God. This is what we find Elijah doing. You find this throughout the Bible. Listen to Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Moses had fled Egypt, and for 40 years he served as a shepherd for his father-in-law, and he's just doing the work, taking his sheep out to graze. Can you imagine 40 years working with sheep? Wake up in the morning count your sheep, wake up in the morning, take your sheep to get water, wake up in the morning, lead your sheep to grass, watch for predators, have a snack, have a lunch, take your sheep back to the sheepfold. count sheep before you go to bed, literally. (laughs) Then get up the next day and do it all over again. And that's what he's doing, tending the flock. For 40 years, he tends the flock. And then what happens on this particular day? There's a burning bush. God speaks to him, says, I have an assignment for you, Moses. I want you to go to Egypt and be the one By through through which I am going to use your hand to deliver my people. So I pick you Moses and you're the one. You're going to go. You're going to do that. Where was Moses? He was doing the work. He was busy doing the work till God called him elsewhere. You find this with David. First Samuel chapter 16, Samuel shows up to Jesse's household and he says, uh, I'm here. Uh, He's going to anoint, he knows he's going to anoint the next king. And so all of Jesse's sons kind of line up and God says, no, 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 no. And Samuel's thinking, what is going on? So Samuel says, well, you got any other sons? And he's like, yeah, we got one, the runt. The little one, the young one, David, he's out with the sheep. That's what he says. First Samuel 16:11. Samuel said to Jesse, "Are all your sons here?" And he said, "There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. Can't be him, right? <laughs> he's busy at work. Why were all these other cats not out there working? I don't know. And Samuel said to Jesse, "Send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes." And we know that David was, was anointed as king. It took a number of years for that to come to pass after Saul, but David was anointed as king. But keep doing what God has called you to do until there's a superseding command that tells you to do something else. What ministry are you involved in? Keep doing that ministry with all your might. Keep doing that ministry with all your heart until God leads you to somewhere else, Till God calls you somewhere else. Continue to do that assignment that you've been given by God until God gives you the next assignment not only that we have to respond with a clear understanding of God's authority look at verse 20 respond with a clear understanding of God's authority and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you and he said to him go back again for what have I done to you now that translation when we read that phrase we're saying what is Elijah saying there's a little bit of sarcasm. If you read through Elijah's ministry, Elijah has a whole lot of sarcasm. That may be one reason I like Elijah so much. I don't know, but we find Elijah trash talking the prophets of Baal, and Elijah making comments here and there along the way. And uh, Elijah—he's not only bold, but sometimes he can be a little brash. And Elijah says to Elisha. Elisha says, "Hey, hey, hey! Uh, I understand what this is about. Let me go kiss my mom and dad goodbye, and then I'll follow you." Notice what Elijah says. Well, go back again. What have I done to you? Notice what Elijah's saying. Let me let me let me kind of translate. It's not my call on you. It's between you and God. You do what? It's on you. You do what God has called you to do. Don't you? you you're following God ultimately, not following me. So you do exactly what God has called you to do. Because what have I done to you? I haven't done anything. All I've been doing is what God told me to do. To anoint you as successor and to throw the mantle on you and say, tag, you're it. That's what God has said. And I'm not the one making the rules. God's the one who told me to come to you. So he's saying, you have to respond to God's authority. Understand the authority of God. Understand what God is saying. Ultimately, I've I've talked to people about uh, our move back to Tennessee. And I've had people say, why are you doing that? Because God called. Yeah, but why else? There is no other reason God called. Yeah. But what's the real reason? God called. And here's what I've come to understand. The handful, the half a handful, it's a small, small number. The half a handful of people that I've had to explain this to here's the reality. I don't know if they've ever heard and heeded a call because if you have, you know, if you haven't, you can't explain it but if you've heeded, if you've heard the call of God and you've heeded the call of God, you know exactly. You you don't get an option of, well, eh, do I or don't I? No, the the question is, am I going to be obedient or disobedient because I know what the call is? So you respond to the authority of God. God has ultimate authority. God rules over all things. God is the one who says, you, you look through creation and God is the one who says to the ocean, This is as far as you go. And God's the one who says to the stars, you stay right there. And God's the one who says to the planets, you move in this direction as I see fit, as I command. And you look at, you look at all the migrations of all these animals and God said, it's time, it's time, it's time, caribou to, to migrate there in Lapland. It's time for some great bird migration. It's time for the monarchs, the monarch butterflies, to migrate. And God says all of this to all of creation, and then He gets to us and He says, "Do this." And we go, "No, nah. something's wrong with that." We have to. It's like all the rest of creation understands the authority of God better than we do. When God's authority is clearly displayed and God's command is clearly known, then we respond to His authority and we say, "Absolutely, God, I'm yours." And, and by the way, that's true. If you're a follower of Christ, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your, with your body because you belong to him. We belong to him. So I'm not my own anymore. I don't get to say, well, this is what I want. And this is what I want. No, God, what do you want? Because I want what you want, God. So we respond to the authority of God. And that's exactly what Elijah is telling Elisha. What have I done to you? This is a, this is a God thing. And you respond to him. And we find that multiple times in the life and in the ministry of Elijah, we find that Elijah understands the authority of God by the word of God. Let me just give you a few here. First Kings 17, two, and the word of the Lord came to him, told him what to do next. First Kings 17, eight, then the word of the Lord came to him. First Kings 18, one, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. So we have the word of the Lord coming and you follow the authority of God. Regardless of what anybody else says, you follow the authority of God. This is why we have Paul in Galatians chapter one, verse 10. Paul writes, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul says, I'm not trying to please people. I'm pleasing God. My sole purpose is to please God. I had a pastor growing up. His name was Brother Mike, I remember. He pulled me aside after one service one day and he said, I figured it out. And I didn't know what the man was talking about. I was just, I was uh, kind of new in college. I was a freshman in college and I said, what's that? And He said, if you remember this, Dustin, you'll do well. I said, why are you telling me this? He said, I don't know, but I just feel like I need to tell you this. I know the secret to fulfillment and happiness. And I thought, well, first of all, why didn't you tell everybody? (laughs) Because I think people want to know that. I said, and, but secondly, tell me, I mean, here I am. I'm a freshman in college. I want to know the secret of fulfillment and happiness. What is it? He looked at me and he said, please God and forget the rest. And then he walked off. Never have forgotten that. Honestly, I, I couldn't tell you any sermon that man ever preached. I don't remember it, but I remember that phrase you please God and you forget the rest. You make sure God is pleased. You make sure you're doing God's will. You make sure you're following him. Forget the rest because the rest really really doesn't matter. You follow God. You please him. Now I've had that over the the last five years as your lead pastor. I've had people show up and I've had people say, you know what you need to do? You need to preach more like so-and-so. I'm like, well, so-and-so is a close enough drive. You can go see so-and-so. I don't have to preach like so-and-so you can just go find so-and-so himself. Why would you settle for an imitation of so-and-so when you can go have so-and-so? And And they said, yeah, but I I would prefer for you to do that. Well, I would prefer for me not to do that. God made me to be me. So I'm going to be me and I'm going to preach like God has equipped me to preach. And I've had people say that I've had people, you know, I've had people show up in my office from time to time, give me a phone call and be like, well, I just want you to know, we're not going to go to East Haven anymore because we didn't like the way you did. So-and-so and -and -and so-and-so. And then they wait. And they're like, well, and I'm like, well, what? And they're like, what are you, what are you going to say? And I was like, well, bye. And let me pray for you before you go. And you're, you're welcome back here anytime. Love to have you back. Hope God blesses you where he sends you. And usually I get this, but wait, you're not upset. No, if God's calling you somewhere else, you need to go. You need to go. You need to go, need to go right now. You need to go. Let me pray for you. Do you need any help? You want, you want help? No. no. I'm like, okay. And we've had that. And that's okay. That's okay. I bear no ill will. I know I'm not everybody's flavor. I understand that. Go to Baskin Robbins. You look, they don't have one flavor. I get it. You know, go somewhere where you got your flavor. That's fine. But, but I can promise you it's, I can promise you it ain't because it's not because the word of God wasn't preached. And I can promise you it wasn't because Uh, that that i started going in some sort of theological error i can promise you that Uh, because i have tried to stay as absolutely 110 percent true to what the word of god says even if it ticks some people off because the word of god does that it does like i don't i didn't write it i mean i've had people tell me i can't believe you preached on that verse and i'm like well that's what the verse says And they're like well i don't think that's what the verse says i'm like that's what it don't take it up with god i didn't write it i'm just the messenger So you surrender to the authority of God. You you follow the authority of God. You respond to the authority of God. But not only that, talking about surrender, you surrender fully to God's plan. Surrender fully to God's plan. Look at verse 21. And he returned from following him, took the yoke of oxen, sacrificed them, boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. you see what he does? He says, hang on, Elijah, I'll I'll, I'll follow you in just a minute. I got something I need to do. He goes back. Kills the oxen. Kills the oxen. That's like his livelihood. That's what he's been doing. Kills the oxen, takes all the farm implements, takes the yoke that was over the back of the oxen, takes all that wood, piles it all up, lights a fire, cooks the oxen, has a barbecue, gives it to the people. I mean, that's total surrender. He has nothing to go back to. Laid it all out. If you want to see what is next, totally, completely, fully surrender to the will of God totally and completely. You said, well, isn't that frightening? Yeah, it's kind of frightening. But that's the idea of faith. When you know it's God, do it. It doesn't do it. Don't wait, do it. Now, wait, make sure you hear from God. Don't just say, well, I'm just going to go do it. Well, no, you need to hear from God first. Remember faith, receiving a report, responding in the right way. So if you don't receive a report, don't do it. That's not faith. But if you receive a report, respond, surrender fully to God, to God's plan. Luke chapter 9, verse 62, the words of Jesus. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. You can't plow a straight furrow if you're looking back over your shoulder. There's no rear-view mirror on a, on a plow of the time. You would look ahead to plow. You wouldn't look back to plow. He says, if you put your hand to the plow and then you start looking back over your shoulder, you say you're not fit for the kingdom. And you find here's here's Elisha, he's taking all of his implements and he's just sacrificing all of them there's no looking back here he he is fully and completely surrendered to god's plan matthew chapter 4 verse 18 when jesus calls andrew and peter while walking by the sea of galilee he saw two brothers simon who's called peter and andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen and he said to them follow me and i will make you fishers of men look at verse 20 immediately they left their nets and followed him that word left is a word that means to forsake. Now you may say, but now wait a minute. They went back and fished some other times. Yes, they went back. Yes, but that was not their main thing anymore. Their main thing was following Jesus. They did a little fishing on the side. There ain't nothing wrong with doing a little fishing on the side. I'm just going to tell you. I love fishing, all right? But he, they did some fishing on the side. But that was not their main Source of income that was not their their main thing, their main occupation of their time. It was following Jesus. It was following him and trusting him. And so we find that they were fully surrendered. They immediately left their nets when they heard the word from the Lord. When Jesus said, Come on, follow me. They left their nets immediately and followed him. They forsook it all and followed him. You need to be willing to lay it all on the altar every last bit of it, lay it on the altar. Everything that you've ever clung to, lay it on the altar. Every preference, every opinion, every hope, every dream, lay it all on the altar. Lay it all on the altar and you see what God gives back. He will bless you beyond imagination if you'll lay it on the altar. You surrender fully to God's plan. And then finally, ask God for the power to accomplish his purposes. Ask God for the power to accomplish his purposes. Now we're going to jump forward just a little bit. Second Kings chapter two, verse seven. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them. They're standing away from Elijah and Elisha as they both were standing by the Jordan. So they're at the Jordan river. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water and the water was parted to one side and the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you've asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses Horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him, went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. And he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to one side and the other, and Elijah went over. You ask God for the power to accomplish his purpose. Notice what Elisha asked for. They know it's, it's coming the time where Elijah is going to be taken. And Elisha says, I want a double portion of your spirit upon me. I, I want a double portion of the power that God has given to you. I want a double helping of that on me. It's interesting when you look at the miracles and you look at the wonders performed by Elijah and Elisha. Elijah performed eight miracles and wonders. Elisha performed 16. He performed exactly twice as many. He performed exactly twice as many than Elijah did, the recorded ones, twice as many. Asked for a double portion of his spirit. And Elijah says, well, you're asking for a hard thing. But now if you see me being taken away, then it's going to be so. And notice that Elisha takes that that cloak that belonged to elijah and he goes and he strikes the water of the jordan and says where is the god of elijah notice he doesn't say he doesn't he's not referring to elijah himself where where is elijah's power no he says where's the god the one who empowered elijah is he going to empower me and god did you you ask god for the power to accomplish his purposes ask god for the spiritual power to accomplish his purposes You do realize that we cannot accomplish God's purposes and God's plan by our own power. God's purposes and God's plans are only accomplished by God's power. So we ask God to give us the power to accomplish those things. Uh, I remember um, whenever I I was being interviewed for the role of lead pastor here. And I remember Scott Smith asked me, remember this? We were in the conference room. And if you know Scott, Scott and I, Scott is so close. He's so close a friend. I love him like a brother. I remember Scott looked at me and he leaned in real close and he said, I got one question. Do you have what it takes to lead East Haven into its next season? And I leaned toward him and I held my finger up too and I said, no. And he leaned back and looked at me and I said, but God does have what it takes. And if I am following him, then I believe God will equip me to do what God wants me to do. But do I have it in and of myself? No. Does God? Absolutely. Scott said, rephrase the question. (laughs) Are you willing to let God use you to do what he has next? And I said, absolutely. Absolutely. We depend upon God's power to accomplish God's purposes, not our own. Because in and of ourselves, we are wrapped up in ourselves. And in and of ourselves, we're an awfully small package. God has what it takes. You find in Joshua chapter 3, verse 7, a little callback whenever Elijah and Elisha are crossing the Jordan. Joshua chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord said to Joshua, this is as they're crossing over into the promised land, crossing that same Jordan. This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan you shall stand in the Jordan. He says this is going to be proof to the people, Joshua, that just what I have said that you are Moses' successor, that's going to be proof because you're going to the Jordan's going to dry up before you. It's a little callback This is going to be proof, Elisha, that you've got that double portion if you see me taken away. And then Elisha crosses back over the Jordan on dry ground just as they crossed over before. So you find him relying upon the power of God. You find this all throughout the Bible. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It doesn't say be strong in and of yourself and then add on God's power. No, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 2 Timothy 2.1, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So you depend upon his power. This is why Paul can write that beautiful, beautiful verse, one of my favorite verses. And I know some pastors say that. They say that about every verse. I love every verse, but there are certain verses that just really resonate. This is one of them. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul understands that all the power that he has, all of the, everything that he has, the wisdom that he has, the ability that he has, it comes from God alone. It's God. It's Jesus empowering him to do that will. Can I tell you what I've been praying? Now I'm not, I'm not setting myself up some sort of Elijah character. That's not what I'm saying, but I will say from this text, you know, one thing I've been praying for East table. God, I pray that the next season sees twice as much. A double portion of your spirit at work. Triple portion. Quadruple portion of your spirit at work in this place. My prayer is that, that God's going to do something in this place because he is not done. He is not done. Um, there was a prayer night. Some of you know this. There was a prayer night that we had here at this church. We had here at East Haven one Sunday night. It was fairly early on in my lead pastorate here. And it was right over there, right over here on these steps that I came up from the front row and I had my Bible and I got right here on these steps and I got down and I prayed because I knew God was saying something. And as I was reading god's word and as i was praying it was as though god said you're not going to do ministry the same way ever again i want you to rely upon me in a way that you've never relied upon me i want you to depend upon me in a way you've never depended upon me i want you to surrender fully to me every single aspect of your life i want you to surrender it to me fully and completely and i'm there thinking why haven't i done that let me just tell you When you start surrendering things, you find out how much you have left to surrender. And then when you surrender that, you find stuff that you didn't surrender that was hidden by that stuff. And you start finding layer after layer after layer of stuff to just surrender fully to God. And so right there at those steps, I can honestly say my ministry changed right there at those steps. Some of you actually came up to me in the hallways and you said, something's different about the way you're preaching something's different about the way that you're leading what's gotten in you did you go to a conference or something i said no i said really there's something different something is really really different i went huh? Oh, well it must be god i knew exactly what it was it's what went on right there at that altar right there on a sunday night in prayer time that's when it changed for me now was i doing ministry before absolutely was i depending on god before absolutely Would I go back and do anything differently for all those years of ministry before? No. That's where I was and how God had led me. But I know then that God was calling me into some deep, deep, deep water. And he was saying, and you can't paddle, you can't dog paddle through this yourself. You have to rely upon me in every single way, in every single aspect. And it's been a daily act of surrender. Okay, God. A lot of times I call that morning back or that evening back to mine and I go, okay, God. Just like I surrender there, I'm surrendering this. I'm surrendering this. I'm surrendering this. It's you. It's your call. It's your will. It's your wisdom. It's your power. It's your purpose. It's your plan. It's your glory, not mine. That's what we have to do. Can I just tell you, that shouldn't be a weird thing. God really convicted me. That shouldn't be a weird thing. That should just be the norm. God wasn't calling me to, any, to do anything but what he had not already clearly expressed that all throughout his work surrender fully to me give everything to me and then watch what I'll do that's what I'm praying for East Haven that's what I'm praying for Von or. I am praying that God will show up and that God will send true revival absolute true revival and there'll be a double portion of his spirit poured out and we will all see things that we have yet to even begin to ask or imagine that he would do exceedingly abundantly above. Not just the portion that we've been accustomed to. No, no, no. He would do even more. That's what I'm praying. I'm praying for what's next for all of us. If you are not a follower of Christ today, can I tell you what your next step is? Surrendering to him. That's your next step. There may be people here, God's been dealing with you, calling to you, knocking on the door of your heart, and you've been resisting, and you've been saying, nope, 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 not going to do it, not going to do it, not going to do it. Let today be the day that you say, yes, Lord, I surrender. I surrender fully to you. I surrender fully to your goodness, and I surrender fully to the grace that is found in Jesus alone. Because when we try to do it ourselves, there's no way that we can meet that, that problem by our own power. And that problem is a sin problem, that we're separated from God because of our sinfulness. And we are destined for a very real hell for a very real eternity away from God apart from His forgiveness. But if we come to Him and and ask Him for forgiveness and cast ourselves upon His mercy and surrender our lives to Him and trust that what Jesus did on the cross was completely and totally for us and completely and totally sufficient to meet our greatest need which is our sin need and Jesus out of His mercy gave up His life willfully in our place. He sacrificed his life in our place, took the wrath of God upon himself. So that if we trust him by faith and we trust that sacrifice was sufficient, we ask him for forgiveness. We surrender our life to him. He saves us. He transforms us. We have a home in heaven. We're made into a new creation. And now what's next is whatever God has next in the plan for each of our lives so that we are transformed and becoming more and more like Jesus and less and less like ourselves. And he's working in us to work that Christ-likeness. And that's a work that goes on and on and on and on and on until the final breath that we take whenever we are transformed and we are in his presence. But until then, he's, got, he's doing work in us as followers of Christ. So if you've never made that decision, let today be that day that you say yes to God. Because what's next for you is God calling you to repentance. That's the next thing. Say yes. And for those of you who may be followers of Christ, can I just tell you would, you, would you be praying for whoever's next in this pulpit? Not only that, would you be praying for what God has next for East Haven, what God has next for Von Baptist? But not only that, would you be praying, God, what do you have next for me? What do you have next for me and my family? What do you want to do in my family, God? What do you want to do in my heart? What things do I need to surrender? Where am I not relying upon your power? Where have I deviated from your plan? Where is it, God, that, that maybe I'm not surrendering fully and following your authority? Would you go before God and ask him to show you those things? And then say, God, whatever you want, whatever you have that's coming next, that's what I want. That's my prayer. It's my prayer for myself. My prayer for Rebecca. My prayer for East Haven, My prayer for... Von Or Baptist. My prayer is that we will be expectant and surrendered to whatever God has next. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you. We're thankful for the next steps. We're thankful for the things that are next. We're thankful that you are a God who already knows the next, even when we don't. And we wait expectantly, ex- with excitement, with enthusiasm. But we also wait surrendered, willfully following you. And so, Father, I pray that today, if there's anyone that has never made that decision to follow you, whether they're here in the room, whether they're watching or listening, either now or even later, if they're listening to this or watching this, Father, I pray today would be the day, this moment would be the moment that they would say yes to Jesus. They would say yes to that next step of faith surrendering their lives repenting turning from sin and self and putting their hope fully and completely upon jesus alone father i pray for for the people here at east david father i pray for each individual father there's so many people here have poured out so much love upon us over the years and we love them dearly they are family we are family So, Father, I pray that you would bless them. I pray a double portion of whatever it is that that you have done in the past. God, I pray that you would do even more. And I pray that you would show up in power. And, God, we do lift up that next man to stand in this place. God, again, you know exactly who it is. You You already have that lined up. And, Father, I pray that you would give... East Haven, the wisdom and the understanding and the discernment to just follow your leading and then affirm the person that you have chosen. Father, we pray now that you would go before us in the days ahead and that we would see you do great things far, 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 exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask and all that we can think. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.